um yeah welcome back to another episode of uncharted um today is a very special a special episode because um we have a very special guest do you wanna i don't even think we could do justice introducing you maxine um all yeah. the build up to this now is like I know, <laughs> I know the pressure's getting it's getting it's really worse. It's getting, getting intense. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we have someone who means a lot to us here today. Um, and would you like to introduce yourself, Maxine? Um, yeah, my name's Maxine Bunting Thomas. <laughs> I run the Upward Bound program, which both of these beautiful women were. Um, I was blessed to be part of their journey on that program many years ago, and. Um, yeah, they're still with Upward Bound, you never really leave, so <laughs> they're still contributing to that program now. Okay, so basically, as you guys know, we have a segment on Uncharted called Mother's Meeting, and it's about basically the women who we find inspirational, like, or who have been a part of our journey and, like, just inspire us, basically. And I think for us, when we decided that we wanted to create a podcast, we said that, like, okay, we wanted to create something that was relatable for other people, but we also wanted it to have some sort of meaning because I know we say that we're delusional all the time, but we're never going to make it. We're never going to be great. Absolute certainty. And we need to show people why we, how we became the people that we become and who those people who have been a part of that journey. And I think I'll say like my perspective and then you say yours, but I think for me, I think Maxine was like a second mom to me. I think um, in school, I had the persona that I was very confident and all of this and all of that, which I was, but I feel like you were able to see past that. And for me, it's like having, cause my mom personally, she's the it girl. She knows, she knows what it's about, but I felt like sometimes there was a bit of um, a lack of understanding sometimes. And I think when I came to Upper Bound, I just knew that it's like, not that, well, of course I could be myself, but like I had a second mum who understood me as Lydia, as a 14 year old going to Mount Carmel and experiencing all the things that I experienced. Cause I come from a very like, my house is very, like I said to you, you grew up with very thick skin. So it's like, you don't really talk about what you go through. And it's hard for me to show my emotions sometimes. And I feel like Maxine was one of the first people that I, got to experience expressing myself and understanding how to express myself which is something I'm still dealing with to today but it's like like Maxine is home if that makes sense yeah I was literally home. I was about to say it's the level of relatability and like mm-hmm. comfortability for somebody who like just off the bat who like isn't in your home who exactly. isn't related to you yeah. um, it kind of builds a different rapport and I really got I really got to know that and um, I enjoyed it we were talking to um, Ogadima and she was kind of given her given us her first impressions of us I was so like it was so I expected exactly that yeah like the fact that she assumed or she thought that you know you were the confident one I was more shy um it was very very true I felt like I was like overshadowed but not even in the negative sense but like I was overshadowed by like my other classmates and I was like fine with that I was just kind of laying low and I was like doing me and whatever but I feel like you um, and Maxine kind of took the time to like, mm, who's that? Like, yeah. and just kind of like that interaction, the small interactions for like however many minutes on a Saturday. Mm. Um, yeah, and that it, stuck yeah. with us. It did because like even now, like I can't leave Upper Bound. I would never be able I to really leave Upper really Bound. I really wish I didn't. I don't. I don't feel like I actually did. You I didn't. 
You didn't. Yeah. But I think for me, it's like, it's somewhere I can never leave because I know when all the craziness happens, like at home or at work, like that's the one place where I just know like, okay, I'm coming in. I'm going to see Maxine. I'm going to see Ogadima. I'm going to see the kids. And it's like, I can just relax type of thing. And it's like, like I said, it's it's home without being at home. Like, like it's it's a different type of comfortable feeling that, that it is. Yeah. Do you, do you kind of want to run down, like, what Upper Bound actually is? I think you're... Wait, even before we get into that. So mm-hmm. we, we usually do this thing where it's, like, what you hope to remember and what you wish you forgot about the week you just had. Um... We kind of didn't let you know that, so it was like more like. Yeah, you know? it's literally fine <laughs> if you don't have one. Like, it's fine. You can cut out whatever. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, um, we couldn't. All, all three of us can do it. Yeah, I was gonna say because you just reminded me of that, and I we already did an episode this week. It's fine because so I even I have another think. one. Okay, it's fine. We can take time to yeah. think while. Um, do you do you have one? What I hope to remember. Yeah, yeah what you wish so to forget. Something that's happened in the week, it might be like a lesson you've learned or something as mundane as like just something that, like some cool piece of information you found out. Um, um, yeah, yeah. But so yeah. today is GCSE results day. So getting messages from parents and students um, who just express their gratitude for mm. their time on the programme and the support that they've had always stands in it's it never loses its importance however you know my 15th year in the program that little message just resonates so much because it's it's not just me it's the whole team that makes that wheel move and you know the result a GCSE result isn't everything but Mm. it means so much it's such a gateway for some students so and particularly those students where you know that getting to that point was such a journey for them you know getting that message of just like they did it yeah it Mm. means so much so yeah so for me I've already had my day made by the conversations I've already had today so um and we were just talking about that like how much bigger it all seems and now looking back in retrospect like it's not it's really not as like end or be all as it seems not at all and that's just for me you know when I reached out to my students last week just said this is just a moment and your pathway either goes forward sideways it it will keep moving but you know the the way that you move on that this isn't going to finalize what that journey is going to be it's just just going to determine what your next step is or Mm. is it exactly so but you will still be moving Mm -hmm. so it's about you know ensuring our young people hold on to that um and something that i wish to forget did you yeah. say um i don't think i try not to forget things to be honest <laughs> fair enough fair that's such a maxim i think all of it even the bits that you'd prefer not to say out loud they're all learning points somewhere mm. so you know yeah i've probably had some frustrating moments that i wouldn't necessarily want repeated but they're still key moments for reflection and learning mm. so I'd never wish I never say something shouldn't have been there yeah that's so interesting she's she's changed, only Maxine would say yeah <laughs> she changed up the segment and yeah. as she should as you should um but what came to mind when you just spoke when you said um outward bound is home so for me you know it's about it's an anchor 
so I think for lots of people regardless of what they're doing how long they've been away that it's it's that anchor that steadies the boat so that it can you get back on board and it's it's still there steadying the waters yeah. for you and mm. I really like to feel that that's what Upward Bound is for people yeah. that it's this place where your sense of belonging where you fit in is seamless and um, yeah it doesn't matter about the timeline that that feeling is still there and real for you mm. um, so that's what we always strive to create for our young people and you know for me it's a, it's just such an honour to be part of people's development and journeys and to hear you guys talk about um, my role the team the projects you know we you know it's just pride you know feel so yeah. proud that that's that the the world keeps turning, the upper yeah. bound world keeps turning and it, it matters and means so much to people because a lot of work and effort goes into it. Mm. So when we see you thriving and flourishing, you know, we're just like, yeah, we are. We're like, we're our proud parents, yeah. you know. So I didn't <laughs> birth like any, any of you other than my <laughs> own children. But yeah, it's, it is it is family, you know, and you, you, you don't get to necessarily choose your family but you do get to align yourself with mm. people that feel like family mm. and I think you know I, I'm definitely blessed to have done that throughout my years of, of a very small nuclear family but you know my, my wealth of family is huge because of that so you get to you know align yourself with those people that are going to grow you and nurture you and support you beyond your immediate home. Mm. That's true. It's, it's interesting. Sorry, it's interesting that you say that because, um, like, like you're not my mum, but you feel like my mum. <laughs> yeah. And it's like we were talking about it with Ogadima, like even like, um, let's say for example, if I'm going through something, Maxine always knows. I don't yeah. know how, how yeah. the way I try to hide it. Like she'll she'll be like, we'll have a conversation. I'll be like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're about to unpack this. Or it's just like if I'm late, I'm just like. Oh, want to see Maxine because I already know it's like scared it's scared like it's my mom but then avoiding her like yeah exactly and you need that exactly it's true you do need that what do you hope to remember and forget Mm-mm. okay I'll do mine <laughs> um so you know Victor yeah yeah so Victor is um my sister's brother-in-law and um what I hope to remember is Isn't I was on the that him your brother yeah he's my brother but i was just saying it so that you like you'd understand but basically i was at the train station and i saw a picture of him in an ad and that inspired me so much because i said no way this is victor that used to make funny youtube videos at home and now i'm seeing him at a train yeah, station for reference victor he, uh, couldn't mr mr brother-in-law is is big i was just gonna say i think i have my forget it's not oh. really related, but um, just whilst we're on the topic of Maxine being inspiring, um, ish, I think I maybe want to forget um, being very like half-assed. I, I feel like I'm kind of a half-assed person. I don't know. Some people may agree or disagree, whatever. But I feel like recently, because I had a job interview this morning and then an exam yesterday, um, and I just feel like I was, I've been so relaxed about it. I don't know if it's partially because I'm trying to like not, not make myself anxious about it by like thinking over, over again. 
um, or like trying to be overprepared, but I'm so like, I'm underprepared to like, it gets to the point where I'm like trying to convince myself so much that I'm like not even bothering. Um, so it's like, my mom's like, oh, I'll send you some useful like um, tips for like uh, job interviews or whatever. And I'm like, mm, yeah, like I'll see it whatever. And I'm like, yeah. I g- uh-huh. I'm thinking about like, why? Don't I want the job? Uh, Don't I, I want same money? Like I don't understand what my thought process behind that is. Um, and like with the exam, I'm like, mm, yeah, I got it. Like it'll be fine. If I don't do like amazing, like that's not really what I'm interested in. But I'm like, I actually really do want to do well. I don't mm. know why I'm psyching myself out like that. Um, so maybe, yeah, to not make it so negative, my forget, making it just like, hopefully going forward, just being more like intentional with like my goals. Cause if I have that mindset, then it's like, how can I expect at the end of the day, the outcome to be any different than what I put in. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that's a good lead on to ask you what drives you. Mm. Because like like you said, you've been doing this for 15 years. Like what makes you keep going? Like why do you, you want to go into a 16th year? Um, because there's always more work to do and every set of young people that you have will be completely different. So you never stop learning in the role. Mm. So myself and the team we're always reshaping the program it's you're not you know the wheel might keep turning but how you know what what's on that journey will change every year Mm. because it's student-led it's informed by those young people who will be unique be 200 unique individuals every year Mm. that make you question everything you knew about your role and how to do it because you've got to meet their need Mm. Yeah, and, and how you do that will depend on what their needs are. So just because you think you know how to do your job doesn't mean that you don't have to constantly be changing your approach to it to meet the needs of those students. Mm. You know, and obviously we're on the back of uh, extraordinary time in where, you know, our young people faced, you know, unprecedented challenges yeah. and had to show such resilience. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, even more motivated to make sure that we're part of that foundation of support for them moving forward because we're going to be feeling the repercussions of the pandemic for years to come Mm. and particularly our young people will face the full brunt of that so yeah that i'm i'm very determined to make sure that you know we we you know we contribute to to the foundation of support that's there for our young people but yeah for me I'm, i'm driven by by that that's part of my intrinsic value system in terms of supporting others I'm very driven by that mm. so um, it doesn't get boring for me it's, <laughs> yeah, there's always a new, there's always a new young person who just makes me think how do I yeah how do I figure this out yeah. mm. how do we get to you mm. your story is different or yeah just how, d- how do we how do we switch that light on for you Not every teacher will have that they mm. know that there's a class that will make them question everything they thought they knew about teaching yeah oh, that's, so that's so scary but then it's like how do you how do you get past that like because I, I know for me when I first um, became like a peer mentor I thought I was gonna I thought it was gonna be easy like, I thought I was gonna breeze through it just like just be myself and I found it so hard to just talk to people and I don't know, it's like, it's something that progressively as I get older, I find harder, like, each year for some mm. reason. But it's like, how do you get past the fear, if that makes sense? 
because I feel like when you're afraid to do something, then it's probably because you should be doing it. Like right. You should be pushing yourself. But then how do you get past that? Um, well, it's classic, isn't it? They always say you, you've got to feel the fear mm. and do it anyway. But, you know, for some people, fear is can be such an obstacle that it it stops any kind of movement. And for, I suppose for us at Upward and for myself, if we're if we're requesting that of our young people we consistently ask them to do things differently to move beyond their comfort zone mm. to take a risk to face challenges so we have to be doing that as a team yeah. we've got to see it in action and we've got to be doing that as individuals so it's always about a growth process and I think it is about actually just being honest with yourself that you are always going to be in a state of learning mm. whatever your big age is and I think if you treat each day as that opportunity and knowing that there's a learning point all the time. So for me, reflection is absolutely key. Yeah. You know, reflecting on even the tiniest things. It, that is what promotes growth all the time. Writing your stuff down, thinking about how you could do it differently. What worked from it? Mm. Putting that into action, sharing that with others, not keeping it to yourself. Um and sharing those vulnerable things that, you know, the things that you feel like, you know, so for instance, you're saying, how do you keep moving forward when you meet that challenge? It's about, oh, actually, I, I don't know a way forward with this group. What do you say? I've got a team of 10 who've all right. been doing it that can share that expertise as well. So knowing that you don't, you're not the holder of all the information, yeah. you, you know, you have to, you're, we're part of a community and me, I, I'm very driven and I'm, you know, I, I can get a lot done in a day, but I can only do that when I've got other people to bounce off mm. and other people to, to lead and move. And, you know, that, that energizes me. So being part of a community that, that makes that happen is also part of that way of pushing past fear. You, when you've got other people who recognize that in you and will keep pushing you and hold you accountable as well. So for me, I, I have to be accountable to somebody mm, as yeah, well. That's true. I was going to say, with speaking of fear and reflection, um, I completely acknowledgements. I was trying to think of it the whole time. I finally remembered what it's called. That it scared me every single time, and every single time <laughs> you made us answer it. And I don't know why it still terrified me to speak publicly, but it's like these are the same people I've been telling my acknowledgements to for the past year. Um, I loved that you do that, and I remembered that you did that when I came back to Upper Bound. And I heard acknowledgements, and I thought, oh, this this is really really it i think we need to like explain yeah yeah you go for it i think yeah. so yeah. We, d we do something called acknowledgements to end our day at upward bound and mm. it's it's a process by which the young people will need to reflect and acknowledge a peer or a teacher or somebody that's supporting them but something other than themselves something that went well mm -hmm. acknowledging whether it's good work or the way somebody spoke or wrote or a gesture or mm. something that happened that day that they acknowledge that's positive and why we do that is that we know that the power of hearing something positive from somebody else yeah is it really so it's you know you can accept that from somebody else in a way that you wouldn't from you know me even saying it or but when your peers say it Mm. it's like the the kids would just absorb it yeah they and do. they'll take that it is really quite validating honestly it is 
feel like your to feel like your work is acknowledged or something that you did has not gone unnoticed yeah. yeah and when you know that someone else has had a learning point from that or were just inspired by it or just notice mm. yeah exactly. just being seen heard validated in the classroom on such a regular basis in a really small way by your peers it's really powerful and it also just gives you the confidence to open your mouth and say that and it makes you look for those things you mm. it makes you yeah. be intentional about seeing the good and we have to practice looking for the good hearing the good accepting the good because we are wired to do the absolute opposite yeah that's so true yeah yeah so that's why we practice that so that it becomes something that so we're already training you to be reflective upward that's you know embedding a cultural reflection as part of our program mm. and acknowledgements as part of that it's also so that the last thing you do before you leave our building has been this positive affirmation that's that you so go true. home with yeah that's so, so true because you leave feeling positive yeah like that like in a work yeah. environment like a work setting it would, it would just be that would just be weird i feel like for because when you came back so basically um in upper bound in in year nine the students do this thing called poetry slam where like for a few weeks they have to um basically write like build up a piece of poetry that they perform at the end um and then there's like judges and like um it's just a really supportive environment like they start off not wanting to do it i'm never going to get on the stage i'm never going to write anything you can't force me and then by by the end of it shaking backstage but they're ready (laughs) but they're ready to go they've written an amazing piece of poetry about whatever it is that they're passionate about and then i think when you came and saw acknowledgements that day at poetry slam i feel like i feel like even that for me was the first time i really felt like because i always understood the point of it but I felt it, if that makes sense. Like exactly. I felt the importance of acknowledgements mm-hmm. because I remember one of my students going up on stage and he was reading his poem and he started crying. And I, I, it's like, I'm not a very emotional person, but I really felt his performance. And then by the end of it, to have like a, lo- a whole bunch of students just be like, I acknowledge this person because he went on stage and he did it and he was so passionate about his thing. And you could see how good he felt about that like he yeah. was so proud of his performance That's so and i was just like up about is a is a, is a yeah. real deal like it's I a mean, powerful thing year nine and ten year nine that was uh, that's like 13 14 mm. they're gr- like listening to them and listening to the like judges i guess mm. is yeah. um, feedback of because of, i was like i need to hear this really right now i need to hear this poem sorry <laughs> <laughs> Um, just from the way that they were talking about it, the judges spoke about their performances. I was like, wow, I missed out. And then I finally got to listen to, I think, the last one. Mm. Um, I mean, as a writer, that was really motivating for me. Yeah. I don't know. I felt that that day I went home with a new pep <laughs> in my step for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I you got the laptop out, I really did. ready to go. I really did. That was so, like, and I think just acknowledgements in general, like, I think for me, the reason why, one of the reasons why I could never leave is like the impact that you have on these, these kids' lives. That's what I could also sense. It's, it's crazy. Like, like uh, being acknowledged at the end of the day, you know, when you have like my group, for example, they are funny and they are rowdy, but they, are have, they just have a whole bunch of personality. By the end of it, I'm just like, go home. Yeah. <laughs> just go home. And then they'll be like, um, uh, someone would say like, oh, I want to acknowledge Didier because she made me smile today. And I'm just like, <laughs> don't, 
(laughs) but it's just like small things like that make you think it's just worth it and then seeing their growth from poetry slam from when they started i had one student who didn't he was not trying to perform and he got on stage and he did it and i said you did it and i you could just see how like how much he felt like he overcame something and i was Mm -hmm. like you did that that for me that was it for me i was like yep I you can really have tonight. such an impact on these young, impressionable So, um, So people. impressionable. And I, I realise what it must have felt like for the staff when we were students. That's exactly it. Because, like, like, that, yeah. that is a, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I always think about, like, when our, in our team briefings, like, what, what did they say about me? Like, Olivia oh, wasn't talking today or <laughs> something like that. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, um, I was going to say... Paint us the picture, because I'm really curious. Were you always this, like, driven and put together? Because you give very put together vibes. And you have, and you did, like, seven years ago. Yeah. When we were Doing, like, kids. interviews for, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. Up About. Yeah. Did you have your interview with Maxine? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> You've always been that intimidating, literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we were like, how was the interview? No, like, I know. What did you say? I know. <laughs> Little did we know, we all got in and we Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, I suppose, because I knew what I wanted to do from... So I suppose from, I fell in love with dance from secondary school Mm. and I knew that's all I wanted to do. So I was very driven about that. I think dancers are extremely um, driven. Definitely. I'm really jealous of that. So I think you, you know, the skills that you hone as a dancer, where you are self-disciplined, you're, I mean, there are some some negative aspects to it because you're uber uber critical of yourself nothing's ever good enough Mm. but that's driving to do your best at everything um and when you learn to step back from the perfectionism that can come attached with that and just kind of have that drive it can be translated into any field so i suppose for me i I was nurturing those skills were being nurtured i didn't know Mm. at the time but you know when you're learning your craft whether it's music arts drama whatever it is when you're constantly you know the art of perfecting and practice so practicing as a skill as a method it's a great thing so you know I would say whatever you want to take up practice it practice it practice it just going through that process is so valuable because it it changes your work ethic it will be that yeah. foundation of how you approach things another time. You see things through to an end. You know that making mistakes is as much part of, you mm. know, getting something right the first time. Yeah. You know where the learning journey is in things. You drive forward. You look mm. past what you haven't done yet because you need to make it an improvement. Mm. So I think there's real power in that. So for me, I've been so fortunate that I was able to hone those characteristics and approach to things from a young age and that wasn't about me that's not that wasn't down to me it was down to the amazing teachers I had Mm. so I was so lucky to be inspired I had phenomenal dance teachers I grew up in in a time you know in the 70s in London it a cultural I mean London's always been a cultural melting pot but for dance what borough um so I mean I grew up in um borough of Westminster mm-hmm. but I travelled all to different bits of London to do my dance but you know I came from a family where I was a, I was a, you know having access to the arts was really um, it was just normal mm. it was like my mum my loved dance and she 
took me to see dance and took me to do dance because not because I was that good at it I was really shy painfully shy um, but I loved dancing and that was my way of expressing myself so I was really fortunate to have you know my mum who who supported that and there was never any question that I wanted to do anything else once I got the bug what I style of dance contemporary I was always into contemporary dance and you know I did a I did an intensive dance project one Christmas holidays at um, London School of Contemporary Dance which is wow. like the home of mm-hmm. um, contemporary dance and they used to have a community dance a youth dance project that would be on in the Christmas holidays mm. and you'd give up your whole Christmas holiday um, like two and a half weeks and you'd be in in that space in dance studios for ev- all day every day working with amazing choreographers and this amazing um, choreographer and community um, legend called Royston Maldoon used to have like about 150 of us from inner city London who'd some who'd never danced before some who'd danced before but a whole range of kids that would all be doing contemporary dance we'd do jazz ballet contemporary everything he'd choreograph these epic pieces to huge bits of classical music and for me it would be like the first time really that I was learning a big piece of classical yeah. music mm-hmm. and you'd be humming co- like Karuk um Kamina Barana, like all these different big pieces of music that weren't being played in my household because mm. that's not what we listened to. But you'd have all these kids that would be like seriously into this music, would know every single bar of it, would yeah. know their section, Was that intimidating? You'd know your bit, yeah. you'd, you'd rehearse, practice, you'd we worked so hard and that was because the expectations for us were so high. Mm. We were treated like professional dancers. The expectation was we would be as professional as we could be and for me that's what I loved about community contemporary dance was that you were treated like you know the expectation was you will know how to stand on stage you'll know how to perform mm. you will know where the how high this bar is set for you and you'd be silent in the wings and mm. all those things saying that practice over and over and, and he would tell you in no certain terms how rubbish you were yeah mm-hmm. and oh. you would suck <laughs> that, that up industry. you yeah. would suck it up yeah. and you would, and he, but he would do it with love yeah. I mean we would laugh because he'd drop a little sneaky swear word and we would go <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> but then you know you'd all get on and you'd want to please him so much mm. you know and the feeling of doing something well and it all coming together and that community it was so special and after yeah. that I wanted to do it every day you know you'd come down you'd be on such a downer going back to school because yeah. you danced every day I know, yeah. and then you'd go back to school and it's like I want to still be dancing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's something really special about wanting just wanting to make somebody who actually isn't related to you proud Yeah. like mm. I, I don't know why it just feels so different like obviously you want to make your parents and siblings or whoever else proud of you but like somebody that just has no reason really to invest their time and efforts to for you towards you but does that anyway you take these people with you and mm-hmm. there's so many celebrity stories of that like just mm. um like remembering their teachers and bringing them up on stage yeah. and kind of having i had such a collection of yeah phenomenal i mean f- when i say phenomenal phenomenal teachers and role models mm. throughout my career and you know they've all contributed to the finished I'm not the finished article, but why I'm able to run upward bound in the way that I am is they're part of that journey Mm. because they've modelled what it is to be a great leader. You know, all those things, even if it was in a dance class or on stage, whatever, you take, you 
your sponge, you take all bits of that with you. So would you say that as the being a dancer, I guess, is the one inevitable decision that's led you to be this person? No. So I, you know, I don't think there's one inevitable mm-hmm. decision. I think it's a collective mm. of all your experiences and for me that is some of that is you know having to be extremely resilient to overcome certain things Mm. um it's about you know every role model teacher um family member all those different things it's a collection of all those things that have been part of that the struggle all of it so Mm. it's not one definitive thing yes dance has played a significant part in my life but i haven't you know I haven't been a dancer for a very long time. I'll mm. always be a dancer in yeah. in me. That's still you yeah. know part of it. If I'm not physically doing it anymore, it's still my part of my inner core. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's a collective of all those things. Did you ever experience imposter syndrome? Yeah, and I, I it's still something I have coaching around mm. now. So I mean, I ju- I just finished a. a qualification that I was doing for my professional development and um, as part of that I looked at imposter syndrome for myself because I think definitely if for me I didn't come into management and things like that through a traditional route mm. having come through performing arts so right. when you're working alongside leaders that have you know come through like a more traditional trajectory mm. you can always feel like oh well I'm not yeah exactly yeah you can feel am i meant to be here or yeah do this the same so yeah there's something i constantly have to um keep my lens adjusted for for Mm. myself because i would say like obviously we're both at the beginning of our 20s and i think for me i experience just a loss of identity like not knowing I feel like I, I I didn't know who I was for a long time and I'm still trying to figure it out. But I would say, I think a conversation I had with you one time made me realize, hold on, like, let's reel it back in and like, let's figure out what I wanted to do. Because mm. I remember like, I think you remember this too. I was doing my A-levels and I was just struggling. Like I was, I was supposed to be like this big leader and this big inspirational mm. person. But it's like, I almost didn't want to be. And like, I felt like I was in a position, but then that position started making other people see me in a different way mm. and started pushing me down a route that I didn't want to be in. Why and I kind of, I think I, I, I put myself in that position because I wanted to, but then I didn't want to be in it anymore because it was like, I had family telling me, okay, now you need to start doing this. And now you start, need to start doing that. And I started, like, it, it wasn't fun anymore. And then I remember Maxine having a conversation with me. She's like, well, what happened to drama? And I was like, what happened to drama? Like, what happened to that? When was this? Um, I think this was during A-levels. Mm. So this was like, <laughs> I was still, I was a peer mentor up a bound. And I remember just, I was so like, I don't want to say depressed, but I was really going through it. Like, just mentally, I, was, I just, I couldn't. And Maxine was like, well, what, what, what happened to drama? And I just started thinking about it. And then like, at the time I was studying um, politics, uh, history, English language and literature. And I love English. It's like English and drama kind of go together. But everything else, I just didn't care. I didn't care. I literally copied somebody else's A-levels because I didn't know what, what I wanted to do. And um, I think I think for me, um, I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, like 
I think having people in your life who aren't your parents, but like, sp- like speak to you and teach you like they are your parents. And yeah. it's like, it almost feels worse trying to disappoint them. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like your parents were with them day in and day out, but like to disappoint someone who was like your second mom or your second dad yes, or whatever, exactly. it's a like it's a different type of feeling that you feel. And then like I think that inspired me to get back into acting after that conversation. Mm. And I remember coming into Upper Bound and I was like, I auditioned for a drama school. Mm. And she was like, See, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. But yeah. Like like we were saying before, it's important to have those like teachers in your life. I, that's the whole point of this segment, cause about the teachers, specifically the women in our lives, who are able to help us. Yeah, it's really a perspective that you just wouldn't get from like, as we say, your like your parents. Mm. It's just that different. And when I say mm. teachers, I'm not just talking in a traditional sense mm-hmm. of yeah, teacher. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, I've had many, many. Um, nuggets of wisdom from you know I'm I'm one for always attaching myself to to elders and things mm. like that any opportunity to be in someone else's kitchen and learn yeah. from them <laughs> and all those things so I, th- I think you know your your teachable moments come in come from so many different people and we mm. you know we're blessed with so many different matriarchs that we have access to and I think that is you know for me that's all been part of my journey too yeah. Mm. Did you did you go to uni for dance or did you not go to? Yeah, I did uni. Um, performing did performing arts at uni, focusing on dance. Mm. Um, as I didn't have the money to go to the um, private school that I, the dance school that I wanted to go to and that I dreamed of going to. Mm. Um, but yeah, in, in those days, if you didn't have the money, then how like how was like coming to terms of that because obviously it's something heartbreaking definitely but but then you have to kind of yeah you have to get up and do it different ways and you know and in hindsight it you you know you get other experiences i still trained outside so i was still doing classes in the same building after uni Mm. um so you know it's you make you make it work for you 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 fight for it in a in a different way so I suppose it, it just gives you more you just become more resilient to mm. get to where you need to go in a as I said, you know, for our kids getting their results today, the result isn't doesn't look the way that you want it to look. There's gonna be another way to the same destination that you want. Yes. Yeah. The path might just be slightly different. So for me, that's that's what needed to happen then and it did. How was going to uni and studying performing arts? Because for both of us, we both study film. Um, at uni and like the conversations are having to tell like I don't know aunties or whoever oh I study this at uni oh okay (laughs) like okay anyway you know we've all got to (laughs) I'm glad that you're doing something you enjoy type Mm, of like a very patronising conversation yeah it's always seen as like a you know not Mm -hmm. a proper subject not a proper degree yeah yeah even um, with other students as well. Yeah, yeah. There's it's a whole a hierarchy of academia. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Whereas you write your dissertation, you, you still you're learning your craft. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, you don't get a degree by accident. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you go after and put your work in, and have to come up to the right academic standard. But yeah, I mean, I just for me, I was working during university as well, so um, I didn't have the luxury of only being able to concentrate on that yeah um was there any emphasis um around you 
from people kind of asking you to have a plan B. I I wow, I phrased that really weird, but do you kind of get the gist? Like, was it like a plan mm. B kind of discussion? No, I don't think I. I can't actually remember, but I don't. There was never going to be a plan B for me. That was all I was ever going to want to do, mm. and yeah, I was. I mean, I I stayed on at my uni and and taught. I started teaching at my uni the same year that I graduated. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So, what I did you teach? I taught Graham technique, which is a style of contemporary dance. So oh for me, wow. I was already working wow. in the industry when I was doing when I was mm. at uni. So then I, I guess the yeah the crossover is is less of a crossover, more just like a um, that pathway that you followed into more teaching. Yeah, and and I suppose I was just driven. I was teaching. Mm. I was you know, working professionally from 18, so mm. before I was in uni, so I think, yeah, your drive to do it, no one was going to tell me I'm not doing any of that. That's true. Didn't, it wasn't ever, was never an issue for me. Mm. I did lots of other jobs that weren't dance related to uh, to earn money, mm. but there was never going to be not, do it, not working in that industry. I guess if you don't show that you're driven enough, your parents are fearful that you might not like you don't seem like you have the full cap capacity to do so mm. maybe is what i gather from that because then it's like if you really show that your whole like your whole heart is into this and this is my plan a and that's the only thing yeah. that i'm focused on that i have my eyes on then maybe they they kind of back off and they see that this is what i think i agree because i think for me my mom bearing in mind my mom's always known that i love drama she knows that i've, I've she's she's always known that i've been a creative but i think that was her fear like right not ended up anywhere but then i think she saw i think she saw how sad i was and then she was like you need to do what makes you happy likewise about acting or anything to do with, like anything creative she knows that there's a difference and she's like don't do that anymore get out of this job and go and do something to do with what you care about yeah. like now she's more so just like and bearing in mind she's always been like that she was just more so fearful about like what my backup was going to be but she always pushed me to be an actor but I think now that I've grown older and she started to see that it's genuinely affecting me she's like I just want you to be happy and like I love like sometimes I talk a bit too much about it but she'll be like do you know what like I never hear you speak about this passionately about anything else and I wouldn't right. want you to be I don't want to see my child sad do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Like for anybody who's kind of in that position or who's just getting their results, you know, and kind of figuring out mm -hmm. what their plan B might be or, you know, whatever the, sick of the case is, they really do come around, like the people around you, they just want you to be happy. Is the gist of it. Yeah, and, and ultimately you are the person that has to pass that course. Exactly. It's you yeah. in that chair, sitting that exam or whatever it is that you've got to do for your assessment, it's you, not mm. them. So you have to be able to know that you are motivated to do it and you'll only be motivated if it's what you want to do. Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we look at retention figures in universities, the, the biggest dropout in the first six weeks of courses is because people have chosen courses that other people want them to do. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. That's a crazy pressure. It's exactly that wow i think about that like what i would have chosen to do had there been no pressure or like pressure externally but also f within myself like mm. i can't do drama like i can't even uh, like way back um when doing gcse's i was like i can't 
that's not that's not serious like i have to do triple science Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy that we both did the exact same thing like because both of our parents are like in the healthcare profession so we were like we're gonna study biomedical science at university and we both study i mean i still did drama i don't know about you i still did drama my mom was like do drama but do triple science i said okay cool fair enough i did triple science and then we both had a big revelation that we didn't want to be scientists so we decided we both wanted to be lawyers <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then i had a moment during lockdown i think i was fine it was a it was, it was the biggest 2020 was a disaster disaster for obvious reasons yeah for obvious reasons and i was like do you know what guys i'm going to do film and they said yeah do film i was on a group of we were on a group facetime and i was just struggling to figure out what i wanted to do and everyone was trying to figure out what we were gonna do and then and then i remember telling ashley about my course and she's like i was in hell no i was i was in really within hell because i was like how did I get myself in a position where I'm listening to one friend talk about her interior design course that she's so excited to take on and Lydia's now talking about um, drama. I'm like, what am I doing law again? Because um, it was like, sure, I guess I'm excited, but not in, like, I'm not passionate about it. Mm. Um, yeah, wow. Ashley said to me, I've looked at my modules and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I really she that. said, you know what, Lydia? And she opened the laptop. I am dropping <laughs> up yeah. right now. I was doing law and I dropped out the first week. <laughs> that conversation was so funny, but it changed everything for us, I yep. think, because now we're here. And the conversations we have now are completely different to what we had, like, back then. Yeah, when you're paying for those courses, so you better, exactly. you don't go and buy something that you don't want. Exactly. That's so true. So we have to have a much more, a real way of choosing Mm. what we're doing next and a a better way of, you know, informing our young people about those choices that they're going to be making. And I'm all for making sure that people have a a year to really, like a year between like your, after year 13 or 12 and 13 that you have that time. That's if you go that route, you might be doing an apprenticeship before that. But for those people that are looking at the uni route, that you've had enough time to really investigate that this is what you want to do and this mm-hmm. is the right course for you. Yeah, that's, I agree. That's that's a lot of money that you are going to be paying back at some point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you want to be getting those choices right. Mm-hmm. And you might realise that university is not for you. Yeah, and that's if you, yeah, that's yeah. if uni is the way for you. It's not for everybody, mm-hmm. and there's no. Yeah, and we we just really need a culture shift in how we view all of those opportunities that our young people have access to. So yeah. there's a lot more, there's a more equal system. You know, in Islington, we are so blessed to have so many opportunities available for our young people. And the quality of apprenticeships and traineeships mm. and so many different things that are not presented to our young people yeah. within school in the right way so that they see them as real choices. Um, yeah exactly as real alternatives mm. so you know we, 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 we do need a real shift you know when you look at europe they have a very different approach mm. what was your outlook on life when you were like i don't know 10 years old what was like what was life like growing up at home yeah and your um, perception of beauty as well like back then like yeah and you talked about like what was this music in your house i also randomly am curious like what you were listening yeah, to yeah what did you Just listen like to at vibes, home? what was going on so i grew up my 
heritage is um, Jamaican and I'm born here but my dad's side are Jamaican and my mum's side are um, Irish and my mum was born here mm-hmm. so that's my um, my heritage um, and grew up with my mum but I had input from my Caribbean family in my early childhood but not later on so but had access to many different cultures um, during my childhood so travelled a lot as a young person because my mum travelled a lot so mm. I had quite an unconventional yeah that's important um, though I think so time I and suppose so compared to some people yeah. so um, yeah so although it might not have been the culture of my heritage I had access to lots of other cultures because I spent time in India and lots of different places as a child so you know that's you get to see those things you may be view the world a little bit differently I think so um but yeah and my mum you know taught me to cook Caribbean food because she's an amazing cook and could cook things from all over the world so she loved cooking so was a very good cook so I'm fortunate that I learned how to cook my food of origin from from her she loved reggae so that was on in our household so um, and I was I very much knew that I would be perceived by the world as nobody asks you what your percentage is as a mix uh, if a white person's going to be racist to you they're not gonna um, say oh but you're 50 percent so no you're you're, you're getting that the same way as anybody else. So I was always raised to be very clear that um, know who you are. So for me, I feel like I was I was strong in my identity, and also that was a that's a it's an area of growth. It's something that grows at different points in your maturity as to mm. what you're around. So I you know, gravitated towards people that would fill in those voids for me if I didn't have access to that with original original family members. Mm. I had access to that through friends, through other people that I formed bonds with. So um, even now, I, I will, you will always find me with elders or I'll, I'll be soaking up those things that maybe I didn't always get the opportunity to mm. learn firsthand. I'll always, I always found ways of seeking those things out. Um, and a, a real definitive time was when I happened to be working with a lady called Patsy Ricketts, who's a phenomenal um, dancer. Mm. Um, she trained with the Dance Theatre of Harlem, um, but did traditional Naya Bingi um, reggae dance. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get a, like a, a tour with her as a young dancer. Wow. And um, alongside some other young people from a London from a college called Weekend Arts College, which is an amazing um, arts institution that would provide high quality music, dance and drama tuition to young people um, at really affordable rates. So a lot of the people that you would see in London that are musicians, artists, or they loads of them came through um, Weekend Arts College. And I was fortunate enough to have this opportunity through them. And Patsy was just like the she was like the Jamaican woman that I'd wished had raised yeah. me, you know. So though I loved my mum, this woman just was like on such a pedestal to me because she was like this dancer, but just 
given me access to this bit of my culture. Um, she toured with her five children and her partner so who was nice. a drummer. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, moments like that where you get to go and be fed culturally in a way and be able to soak mm. that up from other people, I think mm. really put a, a stamp on, on your development. I don't know about you, but I think that's the one of that's the reality of growing up in in Britain. We yeah. live in a bubble in London, but that yeah. bubble gets burst on a daily basis, yeah. you know. And yes. you know, you 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 get reminded very quickly that you know you may have your passport, but mm-hmm. that yeah. sense of belonging is 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 a very complex thing because yeah. essentially you know you're you're not considered british yeah. in the in the in the white british sense of the the word so um yeah i think that sense of belonging is is really complex when it comes to here because we weren't wanted we were invited mm-hmm. but we weren't wanted so mm-hmm. and i think that's something you know, I, re- I grew up in the 70s. I remember going on National Front, anti-National Front marches and being scared with my mum. Wow. You know, I, you know, skinheads were, were normal. Yeah. You know. What was you that know? like for you at that age to, like, absorb all of that mm. and, like, experience that? And, like, how do you... Especially reflecting on it now. Like yeah. I don't really... Th- I don't really think... I, I can just remember yeah, bits yeah, of it. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I'm just like you know that was times when you were march marching and protesting was so normal mm. you you know the cnd movement just marching for peace you know being anti-fascist all of that you were anti-racist you, you know that was that was part of my childhood you were my mum protests and i was always with her doing that so that was normal but you were very aware of that tension there was a real tense tension in the 70s and racism was in your face yeah was that feeling of other quite prevalent in the dance like community as well um i think it very much depends on the world i think that there are different aspects to it so your otherness will be very apparent in terms of how your body was viewed um your otherness would be very apparent every time you put on your ballet tights that don't match your skin tone or slip mm. your feet into your shoes that mm. are flesh coloured but they're not your flesh. The fact that you have a whole ballet uniform that is matched to somebody else's skin tone that is that is sorry, that <laughs> is um the uniform. Yeah. And regardless oh, yeah. of whether it matches you or not, that's the uniform. Absolutely. Um so yeah, I think all those things, you know, are very normal. Also, you know, being in an industry where the whole body shape and aesthetic at that time is very much still is, but it's a bit different now with the prevalence of other dance forms. Mm. But yes, the whole what is set up as the ideal type, it looks nothing like my body. Mm. So yeah, you very much felt othered by that, you know. You're told to tuck under. Teachers don't do it now, I'm assuming, but 
you know, at that time you'd always be told to tuck your bottom under, which anatomically you isn't. <laughs> if you're doing a plie, which is a bend of the knees where your back is supposed to be straight, and but your bum naturally, you know, curves, but they're wanting you to try and get rid of that. There's just oh, the oh ways oh. that you're taught and mm. or your feet being commented on, so not being arched in the same way. Just, yeah, so, you know, the way that your body would be scrutinized. I was going to say, like, if you weren't thinking about your body before, yeah. it must be now, because it's not like those kind of things wouldn't occur to you on a day to day. Yeah, so that's that's very to- that's a very toxic side of the yeah. industry mm. then. I don't think teachers can get away with that mm. now, but, you know, we think about how we were educated in classrooms and things like that. I was at a time when you were still allowed to hit kids in school when I was at school, so. You see that in <laughs> London? <laughs> that, you see that right there? London? Yeah. So Did you ever witness that in school? Um, I had a primary school that wasn't so into that, but you, you would get, Thank you God. could get sent to the, you would get it on your hand with a ruler. Mm. Yeah, that. I never did, but yeah, you would. I know, I've got peers who were, mm. you know. Mm. The way that that's outgrown, like, uh, I mean, like, is that the right word? Outgrown into, like, today's society is weird. Like, how it came to be that that isn't a thing anymore. Like, it's not okay. Like, what, I, I'm I'm struggling to think what was it's the, like, so oh, the light bulb. Like, yeah. this isn't, this isn't it's good. Teach, like, yeah. the slightest scratch of a child's hand is like, oh, what's going on at home? Yeah, mm. yeah. In comparison to being sent to get hit by yes exactly because i've experienced traveling now as an adult and i recognize the importance of it like just experience another culture going to a different country and just it's a different type of um relief or peace that you feel how does how did that shape you because like i never i didn't experience that much as a child but i appreciate it as an adult Mm. i think for me it was that was it, for me it was it was I think it was quite complex because often I'd be in places where there was nobody else that looked like me so mm-hmm. then I would be getting a lot of attention that I didn't want right. and it wouldn't necessarily be positive attention because you know I might be in places where people were assuming that I'm my mum's house girl I'm her servant rather than her daughter what Wow. Yeah. It was only the 70s. It was only the 70s, exactly. So. Last week. I mean. Yeah, so, you know, it's, you know. um, Did that contribute to, like, the shyness that you said you kind of experienced growing up? um, Do you not? No, I think I am actually quite an introvert. Mm. I'm not a, so although I'm like a great leader, I can publicly speak and all of that. I'm confident that, but I'm not a. I'm not an extrovert, even though I was a dancer. Not, I don't think all performers are extroverts. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. And so, um, yeah, I, there's probably other things that contributed to that. But, yeah, it was definitely, I felt very, very self-conscious mm-hmm. about that when you're being stared at and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, mm-hmm. and also, I suppose, you know, that's just part of it as well. When you're mixed and you're, you know, you're with your white family. So, for instance, you know, my grandmother... Um, I would often take my grandmother shopping because me and my mum would care, f- look after her. Um, and people would look at me and ass- maybe assume that I'm her. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the paid carer. 
rather than and I would very like explicitly at the cash point be is this is, here's your receipt Nan mm. you know yeah. it'd be like yeah. you'd have to you know nobody would ever assume that we're related and mm. you know because um, that's my little white Irish Nan you know with her snow mm. white hair nobody would assume that she's yeah I'm taking my Nan shopping so yeah so you're always aware of that difference when nobody else in your household looks like you mm. or at passport control when people mm-hmm. are looking at your picture and your mum's picture yeah. and your passports and yeah it's like yes that is my mum <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah. yeah wow what about on the other side of things so like obviously not feeling like or people treating you um, a certain type of way because your mum was white or your grand your nan was white. But what about like in terms of the black side? So I, to be honest, I always felt welcomed mm. and um, and for me because I always gravitated so my f- friendships and um, I always gravitated and identified with my Caribbean side. Mm. So um, I was looking, seeking that as well, like. You look. I think as you grow, you you seek the bits that you haven't had in in places. So yeah. for me, I I always felt welcomed, and I think as a community, there's that you know that sense of there's a real generosity yeah, in I how agree. who you embrace and who you share with. And I always found that generosity in the Caribbean community. Um, and obviously, you also have to like now, I suppose or. I suppose it's that thing of as well as a as you have to you have to acknowledge your privilege as a mixed race person and decide where you are with that and look at how you challenge some of those perceptions um, and whether you reinforce some of those things or whether you challenge them and those things. So I I know you know with our poetry slam at Upward Bound I always use that as a platform to maybe challenge some of those ideas and perceptions with our students that mm. they have around some of those constructs about race and identity mm. and I'll, I'll always be you know part of that conversation with our young people yeah um my last question was about well what you said before what did um beauty and success look like at your 20s and what does it look like for you now because mm. I, I think um we ha- we asked the same question to Ogadima and she was just saying like the way she grew up the way people perceive things that were beautiful completely different now some things are more embraced some things people don't really care about but like how was it for you in your early 20s compared to now mm. or like what did you strive for as well yeah like what, what did you strive for what did you mm. think was beautiful yeah so when I think of my 20 year old self um, you always saw my hair before you saw me so my hair was huge big afro I always sported a massive mm. my hair naturally out um, and I think for me that was part of my identity just you know embracing my natural That's so hair interesting um, because it's such a contrast to like from I think when we were a bit younger natural was just not the way forward so it's so interesting to see to hear you like embrace that whereas like people shy away from it a lot oh my god even like the 
the connotation that like you cannot have your natural hair or like you can't have the braids hairstyle yeah. for your birthday because it's not seen as like kept enough or like it's not enough like it's not like why would you even think that that would be an acceptable hairstyle for that's such so an occasion mm. I feel I like that says that. a lot about I hate that so much but if you yeah. think then it's like I don't know I suppose for me it was it was yeah it was just it was a part of you know as a dancer it was your hair was part of your movement mm. and all of that um, obviously maybe if I was in a different field if it was ballet or something then where you know having a much more yeah. traditional you know look might have um, been re- definitely would have been required but um, yeah and I also think that's it's very different as well in how my hair was perceived as a mixed race young woman mm. at that time very different with you know how your curls were perceived even if it was natural it's still there was still a hierarchy in terms of how that was looked upon mm. so I think you kind of have to acknowledge that as well yeah about success like what was what did you deem to be what did you want success to look like for you when you were 20 so I think that was for me it was just about being in work you know mm. getting paid to do for me being successful was being paid to do what I love mm. and remaining in work all the time that's what I wanted yeah so grafting that's that's what success looked like for me then Mm -hmm. it was it was being the best dancer i could get in the work did it ever look like sorry did it ever look like being rich or like no i've never been i've never it's just never been my driver (laughs) i've never been uh um never been driven by 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 material things ever possessing them or in them it's just never been a driver for me mm. so um, what does it look like now um i suppose now um in in that sense also has your perception of beauty stayed the same then because it's it was about your from what i hear your most natural and authentic self in your 20s and going forward yeah. with success and beauty still very yeah i suppose still i've always been somebody that's not done much to what i have mm just because this is what I've been dealt with and it's what I've got. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll work with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. don't think I really dwelt on that a lot, to be honest. Um, yeah, it wasn't something that I was that preoccupied. I was more preoccupied about how I looked in terms of my body, not in terms of beauty. Mm. So for me... Do you think they, look, they coincide? Pardon? Do you think they coincide the two? Um, in terms of how you feel about yourself, definitely. So I think as a dancer, your, you know, your body image is because, you know, it's all wrapped up in right. you know, your performance. Your performance, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, I've had to let go of that as I've aged and stepped away from that. So you have to let go of that identity that's wrapped up in your in your body as an artist Mm. so like when you were in your 20s i guess that pressure wasn't there but then at the same time you're a dancer so Mm. you there was pressure to always look good and like like you said like tuck in and stuff like that so like i guess what i would say is do you feel like it's 
it was easier then as opposed to now? Say, I mean, I was very aware that my hair didn't flick at school. Like, I remember that, you know, at the time when in the 80s when I was at secondary school, you had this whole fashion where a flick came in. Like, all the white girls had the flick and mm. it was sprayed so that that oh. flick stayed there. My hair wouldn't flick for anybody. <laughs> I wasn't going to have that. So you, you're always aware that you're not part of certain... You're just not part of certain trends. Mm. Yeah. You don't what you have doesn't fit with that but um but it really is your own trend like this like when you talk about your fro like that was it for the 70s yeah. like no wonder like that's what it was like that's what I'm pretty much setting your own trends yeah. because that's a very like interesting mindset to have at such a young age yeah. but i feel I don't like think yeah. i even had a mindset though it wasn't like yeah. i'm doing yeah. this it's yeah. just mm. like, it was like this i is what it lived is. in a household where my mum maintained my hair she looked up knew how to look after my hair mm. so, um, that's good and i learned how to cane row at home and feed i'd practice on my girl's world's head you know <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah yeah <laughs> and um yeah so yeah you, you just did natural styles and protective styles that looked after your hair you know and i was fortunate to come from a household who knew you had to look after my hair as well yeah so i continue to do that that's important that's really very important because a lot of people now don't understand like the importance of looking after themselves like there's always like obviously the braids and the wigs and stuff like that but it's like I think a lot of people are starting again if that makes sense mm -hmm. like a lot of people have like realised that okay I need to look after my natural hair I need to look after my curls like there are countless amount of people that have heat damage now just like I'm <laughs> I'm gonna chop it all off and I'm gonna mm. start again I, f I, I feel like we're, we're entering a stage where people are starting to appreciate their natural beauty mm -hmm. like their hair their eyes whatever it may be because it's hard when you have people like the people we have on social media yeah <laughs> yeah i would you know the pressure on young people now in terms mm. of how they look but it's, it's just an unrealistic image that's out there's not even the images that are there they're not even real yeah it's not even basing your ex expectations on reality and i see the impact that that has on our young when you've got 12 year olds pouting and posing and mm. yeah and i just it's yeah, yeah. So the teenagers are getting like younger and younger yeah. it's, it's really scary mm. So yeah, I'm I'm very thankful that I didn't live in that age. I'm very thankful. Mm. Yeah. I I often feel like I would want to live in that age, like the seventies and the eighties. But then I'm just like, would I? Could I? Yeah. Could I handle that? No, exactly. But you, you do with what you dealt what with. You, what you're dealt with. Yeah. Which is kind of a lesson here, I guess. Um, but yeah, Maxine, this has been so lovely. It's been a good conversation. I find myself speaking so hushed now just yeah. because you're here. That is. We just recorded when we were screaming. The it was screaming. <laughs> and I'm like, it's been really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I it's made you all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slow it down. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a mellow episode. But um, it's been chill. It's been good. It's, it's been, been good. It's been very good. I feel like I've learned a lot about you. Loads. Like, yeah, like m like stuff that I would wanted to know. I feel like people would really be interested in to to hear this perspective um, of you growing up in the seventies. Mm -hmm. I and have dance loved as well. To that. Yes, the dance. Yeah. Wow. 
great episode. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. No, no, we've unpacked a lot because I so think the much. dance thing was the one that we were like most interested in because yeah. like we're both creatives. And my mm. sister, like, she's into modeling and dance as well. And I feel like it would be so good for her to hear this podcast, especially because she yeah. had her results day today. Mm. And she was, she was not happy, but it was like, I feel like hearing something like this is going to make her feel a bit more like, okay, like yeah. I can do this. You just need to know that it's not the end of the world, even exactly. though you hear it really so often. But yeah. just like, you know, that, yeah. that little extra. Anyway. Yeah. And that all those skills that you're nurturing in your drama, music, whatever mm. classes you're doing, they're all transferable to mm. other settings. Yeah. They give yeah, you an eye yeah. for detail. They give you a bar for expectation. They give exactly. you self-addition. Like, you come with this wealth of experience that other people haven't honed and learned. Yeah. And they haven't done that. So, you know, we're always, you know, when everyone says, oh, you're creative, it's kind of like, no, actually, I've got all these attributes that come with me. Right, yeah. yeah. Creative so isn't true. like other. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, with that being said. Thank you so much. Thank you for being, for, here. For being here. You're welcome. My pleasure. And this has been Uncharted. Busy bye. Busy.